Mary and Joseph had a difficult journey. Uh, it wasn't a quick trip down the freeway in a minivan. See, the world that they lived in was both difficult and dangerous. The journey began a week or more before the birth of their son. From Nazareth, the village in the north where they had grown up, they made their way south across, across difficult terrain, 90 miles to the city or the town of Bethlehem. The best that anyone could do in those days, at least traveling by foot, was about 20 miles a day, although given Mary's condition, 10 miles would have been much more realistic. Now to make matters worse, the journey through the Judean desert meant warm, if not even hot nights, and cold, if not freezing nights. And if the journey took place during the winter months, they faced rain, making conditions nasty and miserable. But terrain and weather weren't all that they faced, because the Jordan Valley at that time was heavily forested. Wild animals, even lions and bears, lived in the woods, and travelers frequently had to fend off wild boars. Add to that the threat of outlaws, which often forced solitary travelers to band together into traveling groups for protection. But Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph made that journey successfully, but only to face new hardships. Now, under normal circumstances, they would have simply stayed with a relative or someone that they knew or someone who knew someone. But in overcrowded Bethlehem, overrun with travelers there for the census, it forced Joseph and Mary to seek other accommodations. That's when the most famous innkeeper in history makes an appearance. Now, when Luke tells us there was no room for them in the inn, we should not imagine that there are a string of hotels off the edge of a freeway. Most likely, the rooms were spare rooms in private homes or modest shacks that enterprising families had constructed to house travelers passing through the area in a normal season of the year. But with the unexpected influx of those who came for the census, everything was taken except for a stable or a cave or some kind of outbuilding that was used to house the animals. So who is this innkeeper that we have been angry with for almost 2,000 years? Well, the Bible doesn't give us much to go on. In fact, it is even a conjecture to assume that there was one. He or she isn't named. They don't have any lines. All we know is that the Son of God was about to be born and there wasn't a proper place for him to lay his head, except in a feed trough, in a place that was designed for animals. Over the years, I've heard people judge the innkeeper. Couldn't he have found them better uh, accommodations or couldn't he have given up his own bed for the Son of God? But the truth is, no one knew. Of course, Mary was carrying the, the, the Son of God, but no one knew. And at least this person found a place for them to sleep. There's the story of a mother who was preparing cookies around the Christmas season. She had a younger brother who was still a teenager, and so he was watching her children, keeping them occupied while she baked cookies. And he persuaded the children to stage a Christmas pageant. He gave all of them roles. He made them the, the lead characters, and he took a minor role. His minor role was that of the innkeeper. So when his big scene arrived, this teenager, much older than the children, stood tall and with conviction told little Shannon, who was playing Mary, that there was no room in, for her in the inn. And shocked, she burst into tears, she ran from the room, and then reappeared a few moments later with a blanket in hand. She took the baby who'd already been placed in the manger for some reason, and she wrapped him in a blanket and took him to her room and put him in her bed. And she said, now there's room. 
You know, there's powerful symbolism in this story that talks about no room for this Christ child to be born. No room for him in the inn. Luke tells the story in such a way that when you trace the history of Jesus through his biography, you find that there is no room for Jesus in the hearts and minds of many people throughout his biography. Some were too distracted to notice him. Others were actively opposed. Even the crowd who would eventually reject and condemn him so that he would die the death of a, humili a humiliating death of a common criminal. It seems that the only room that anyone had for Jesus was on a Roman cross. Now that wasn't true of everyone. There were those, like little Shannon, who made room for Jesus in their hearts. And Jesus has always made room in his heart for us. So then there's the question that each of us need to ask. Is there room in our hearts for Jesus this Christmas? Some people today won't make room for their hearts, um, in their hearts for Jesus on principle. To give control of their lives to Jesus is out of the question. And others have serious questions about Christianity that need to be answered, and they should pursue those. That's fair and good. But for others, it's not that they openly reject or that they have questions that remain unanswered. It's busyness. It's the hustle and bustle, the daily demands, the constant press of responsibilities that distracts us. Many of these things are good, family and career and other important activities, and yet the good often crowds out the best. You see, busyness is not just a modern phenomenon. People throughout the ages have been busy. People have always found it difficult to make room in their hearts for Jesus. What this implies is that, at least in our age, at some point along the way, we need to step off the treadmill periodically and take time to reflect and open up our hearts and our lives to him. We're busy people. We go from one busy season to another, and then there comes Christmas. 25 years ago, I began to notice that companies began to cancel their annual Christmas parties because people just didn't have time to, to attend. For many of us, Christmas is the busiest time of the year, and it makes it hard for us to reflect on the message of Christmas, to slow down, to make room in our hearts for him. When our girls were little, uh, one Sunday evening during the Christmas season, Kathy, for some reason, decided she asked me to make a fire in the fireplace, and she plugged in the lights of the Christmas tree, and she made a plate of cookies, made some hot chocolate or warmed up some cider, I don't remember which, and then she directed us all to sit in the living room and asked me to read a story. So I read a story, a Christmas story, and we sang a Christmas carol, and that was it. And it was a nice evening, something that I thought would be a, a fond memory I might hold into old age even. But the next Sunday night, our oldest daughter Amy said, are we going to do our tradition tonight? I had no idea what she was talking about at first until I realized it was the cookies and hot chocolate and read the story and have the Christmas tree lit and the fire in the fireplace. In one week, it had become a tradition. And that's what we did for many Sunday nights during those years, all the way until roughly they were in high school. When I was in high school myself, I remember feeling disconnected from Christmas. I don't remember it had been a busy fall. I realized I was kind of going through the motions, and there was a night, just a few nights before Christmas, when I just didn't feel like Christmas was anything special. It was like the 4th of July or Labor Day or Thanksgiving. It certainly didn't feel like I was connected personally to the Jesus of Christmas. So one evening, I remember my parents had gone to bed, 
And I took my Bible, I went to the living room of our childhood, my childhood home. I plugged in the Christmas tree and I began to read the text that I read earlier from Luke chapter 2. I read slowly, just a few words at a time and reflected on the story. And as I read, I felt this change in my heart. I felt the busyness and the distraction of the season leave me. And I found it replaced with a sense of wonder and of joy of being filled with the Christ of Christmas. So here's a suggestion. If you're feeling distant from the Christ of Christmas, consider setting aside some time in the next few days. I know it'll be after Christmas, but that doesn't matter. Perhaps it'll be early in the morning or late at night after everyone else has gone to bed. Find a, a place, perhaps go into the room where the Christmas tree is and plug the tree in. Take your Bible and begin to read Luke chapter 2 and reflect on what it says and open up your hearts to the Christ of Christmas. I know it sounds like I might be making that suggestion late because the Christmas season is almost over, but you know it's never too late to open your heart to him. Now it may be that what I'm talking about here tonight is new to you. Maybe you've never met the Christ of Christmas. It may be that tonight for the first time it is all sort of coming together. There's no better time than now to open up your heart to him. One time I was talking to someone who had recently made a faith commitment to Jesus. And in the conversation, it came out that she'd waited a very long time to make that commitment. And I said to her, why didn't you do it sooner? She said, well, I really hadn't said no to Jesus. But I also really hadn't said yes. And I finally realized that I needed to say yes. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you need to say yes and open your heart to Jesus this Christmas. One of my favorite Christmas carols is one that we will end this service with, Joy to the World. And in the first verse, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And then it says, Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature come. Every heart prepare him room. That's exactly what we're talking about, making room in our hearts for Jesus. You know, we have so little information about the innkeeper. It's uh, almost anything that we can say is speculative. But I like to think, if I can for a moment, imagine that innkeeper, whoever he or she was, finding room in his or her heart for Jesus. This Christmas, may that be said of you and me. Father, our lives have been full of the busyness of this season. This time of the year brings so much joy as we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. And yet, Lord, we confess that sometimes you get crowded out as well. For this we ask your forgiveness. Father, help us to make room in our hearts for Jesus. Help us to slow down and reflect. And then, Father, make your presence real to us as we seek you this year. In Jesus' name.